Hi, welcome to Tokyo on Fire. Today is February 27th, 2015. My name is Timothy Langley. This podcast is the fourth in a series. We speak on issues of political importance in Japan, and we hope to appeal to a wider audience who are interested in following these issues. Today, I'm joined with colleagues Michael Chuchek and Dr. Nancy Snow. Michael Chuchek is the famous author of the foremost blog on Japanese politics, Shisaku. He is also adjunct fellow at Temple University's Institute of Contemporary Asian Studies. Dr. Nancy Snow is two-time Fulbright fellow. She is currently at Keio University's Institute of Media and Communications Research. She is currently writing a book on Japan's national branding. Today's burning issue is on scandals. Scandals as they occur typically on a regular basis in Japan, they are part and parcel of what happens in Japan in normal politics. In fact, you can date certain eras in Japan by the scandals that happen. They come up with alarming frequency. Recently, there has been a long hiatus of no scandals, and now since the Diet is in session and various members of the cabinet are called on to the hot seat to be quizzed by opposition parties, certain things come to uh, the public eye, and it raises a lot of attention. The Diet is currently in session. These questions are being offered this week and into the week, and there's been some interesting disclosures. Today's burning issue, once again, is scandals. I'd like to ask Michael Chuchek his opinion on what's going on currently and how that affects the ongoing political process here in Japan. Michael? Well, we had a big surprise in the resignation of the Minister for Agriculture, Forestry, and Fisheries, Mr. Nishikawa who, after fighting for several months, uh, allegations that he had accepted uh, donations, or at least his campaign staff had accepted donations over time, which were illegal, uh, he threw in the towel and gave up trying to explain himself in the diet in questioning. That uh, throwing in of the towel may have been voluntary, or he may have been pushed by the prime minister. This is not the, the first resignation since the reshuffle of the cabinet last year. This second cabinet of Abe Shinzo has now lost its third minister. And this week, and later in the week, we have seen uh, tough questioning of the Minister of Education, Mr. Shimomura. And it's possible that his head is on the block. If that is the case, it's a, going to be a huge blow because Mr. Shimomura is a longtime associate of the Prime Minister, and he's very much associated with the Prime Minister's revolution in social affairs that has not yet taken place. Mr. Abe has led a revolution of economics. He's led a revolution of Japan's security policies, but always lurking in the background. Well, lurking's kind of a negative word, but always in the background was the issue of social policy, and education is the most important one, and Mr. Shimomura was going to be, or is supposed to be, the, the vanguard of that. We'll see if he survives into the next week. Isn't this just political football, though? I mean, watching from the, from the sidelines, although we're, we're rather close and we follow this, uh, you know, with keen interest, it does seem to be a lot of just pulling the legs of those people who are a little bit ahead of you. The LDP is in a position of power. The opposition wants to diminish them, and some by, somehow by diminishing them, their, their position or their power rises, or maybe they can use this as leverage. We won't attack as hard anymore. We've got three more days to talk about this particular issue. Maybe we'll back off and throw some, some softballs, but there's a lot of, lot of dynamics going on there as it 
almost typically does. Well, it, it's kind of different this time around because it's, well, first, it's been after a very long period where there were no scandals. That's right. It's the first cabinet of Mr. Abe was the longest serving team ever in Japanese history. It's hard to imagine that even though he's not been the prime minister in office the longest, he and his first cabinet of the... That's 2.0. Yeah, the 2.0. Right. His first cabinet lasted only a year, and that cabinet went through four That was disastrous, wasn't it? was a disastrous it? one. But this one, the, the first one that he put together after his return to power was really stable, Very worked, stable. It worked great as a team. This reshuffled cabinet from last fall has been weakened. Uh, well, he tried many things. He tried to bring in new, new blood. When you bring in new people who haven't been necessarily vetted as thoroughly as the first cabinet was, you're going to open up the possibility for discoveries of unpleasant and or illegal activities. It's hard to run a campaign and, and stay ahead of the law. The law is incredibly complex. The rules are arcane. There's, in some ways, you can even call them stupid. Mm -hmm. They're designed to, in order to make not the campaigns as honest as possible necessary, necessarily, but to make it as difficult as possible to break in from the outside. You could, can even say that the LDP is being tripped up by the rules that it has established in order to keep itself in power. So that's fair. There's one other aspect, which is that the, the DPJ, the main opposition party, when it was in power, was subjected to an intense and unending attack from the LDP. Even when the DPJ would vote, would offer legislation that the LDP had written, mm -hmm. the LDP would not vote for that legislation. That creates a situation where what goes around comes around. Getting their licks in. Mm -hmm. And they're going to get their licks in, and this is karma, mm -hmm. is one way of looking at it. Well, the other kind of motivation here is to appeal to the, the public. I mean, the TV is on them all the time, and the pressure must be really intense if you're sitting in the hot seat. Even though you don't like or respect the person who is questioning you, there are lights and cameras and all of your colleagues are sitting around you, and I think part of this is designed to appeal to the voting public or to diminish the, the I don't know, the... Um, confidence or maybe the credibility of the, in particular, the, the cabinet, uh, Mr. Abe, either directly, very few people will go direct, but they go indirect by attacking his cabinet. Any comments on that, Nancy? Well, I think what Michael's describing is really almost like a scandalous system in mm -hmm. place because my first impression of Japan in the 90s, coming on the heels of its big economic boom era, was this revolving door of prime ministers and political leaders and a, an image of a lot of political instability. And also, from the public's perspective, a system that was very closed off mm -hmm. from the public as Michael mentioned, with a lot of archaic rules. It's not easy to be a neophyte and to get into this process. So uh, while there may be individual cabinet people who have to resign, and of course that makes headlines, 
I think it's important to look at the landscape view here of a system that is really not uh, holding itself terribly accountable to the public good. Mm -hmm. uh -huh. I know in this series I'm sounding like a bit of a broken record, but I really uh, do think that um, while Abe has gotten his administration, Abe 3.0, has gotten to be a lot more disciplined and on message and probably is vetting people better before they come on board. Nevertheless, I, I do sense from the public a lot of uh, uh, unease about uh, this administration and some of the proposals being put forth. So mm -hmm. it's not just the people who are resigning because the Japanese people are pretty used to that over the mm -hmm. years, but it's more about they are proposing things that are more assertive, that are, are off-putting to the public. I've been here a long time. You've been here a long time too, Michael. And I remember when I first started becoming a little bit interested or, or following Japanese politics, and it is a, 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 a major component of becoming familiar here. I mean, you can't escape it the loud soundtracks during the election period. Mm -hmm. um, in the newspapers, there's always flash news, something's happening, and you see, uh, or, or at that time, you uh, typically saw older gentlemen with loud suits and, um, you know, surrounded by people and photographers with lots of microphones making comments. Um, and gradually, as I got into it, um, I understood the ebb and flow of, of Japanese politics and, and the players who are involved in it. And one of the great things about um, being involved in Japanese politics is, is it's, it's a good investment of time because the players rarely change. And even if the players do change, it goes, their, their power filters down to a son or maybe to um, a, a brother or, or something like that. So it's, it's a, a good um, system to, to really invest yourself and to follow what's going on in politics. And that political field has changed a lot. Um, over the years, and there are a lot of younger um, members of the diet now too. But the thing that that keeps recurring is this um, this um, uh, a focal point of when the uh, the cabinet is uh, assembled for this kind of questioning, the knives really come out, and it's payback time. And uh, on one level, you might think it's just questioning. We are ensconced in power. We have a cabinet. We have a prime minister. Uh, we can take these hits, but it doesn't always turn out that way. I mean, some people have actually ended their own lives after being on the hot seat, and the pressure there just must be incredible. Yeah, it's 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 an abusive process to be sure, and it's and politics, as in in many countries, is a blood sport. Mm -hmm. In the case of the resignation of Mr. Nishikawa, the amounts of money involved were minuscule. Right. Mm -hmm. you, you can't think that his vote was ever bought by the illegal donations that of the size of them. They're simply just too small. And, the, and in the case of Matsushita Midori, Midori Matsushita, who resigned in the fall, she was resigning because she handed out paper fans, yes. which violates the law, the, the letter of the law, but that a paper fan would be considered an illegal gift to the voters, and that that would pre convince voters to vote for her as receiving some kind of re remuneration is ridiculous. But 
the LDP put itself into this position. It is, this is payback. Mm -hmm. And of course, in the past, when you and I first came here, it was a little bit more genteel. And in order to get in trouble, you had to be caught with a lot bigger amounts of money. Gold bars in Gold the, bars in the couch. safe. Yes. Yeah, that kind of stuff. <laughs> yes. uh, and, and, and millions of dollars, not, not just a few dollars here and there or a, the price of a paper fan. But as people have become more adept in following the rules, the, the amounts have fallen. If you really want to go for somebody, you will be able to find something. It's very yes, hard to stay sure. up. And that's what's sinking Mr. Shimomura right now. And normally, maybe the prime minister would stand by him. And especially since it's a longtime friend and ally, you would think that the prime minister would put everything out for him. But he let the two uh, women ministers in the fall go on very minor things, though Obuchi, that, that's uh, Minister Obuchi's, former Minister Obuchi's uh, investigation is still ongoing and they're going to find a lot of things not necessarily about her but certainly about her staff that will probably mm -hmm. send a few people to prison but let letting Matsushita go for the paper fans letting Nishikawa go for relatively small amounts of money it sets a pattern mm -hmm. and where does it end and it only ends when you can have a truce with the opposition right and the thing is they don't the opposition doesn't see a truce possible. Mm -hmm. they, they feel that they were assassinated, they were stabbed with the knives when they were in power, and they have a few more months or a few more years of stabbing the yes. LAP ahead of them. Or maybe it's going to be eternal. Mm -hmm. Well, this part of the session, is, it's rather limited, so they really come out swinging. Oh yeah, they have to get the budget done, and the right. budget, where budget committee is where all these questions happen, which means that the work, the actual work of the committee is not getting done, mm -hmm. yeah. Yes, I don't know if, if uh, Shimomura, um, the Minister of Education, is really in that much trouble. I watched the, the proceedings. It was pretty tough, but, you know, I've seen a lot tougher. And I, I see that there's a good cohesion within the, the cabinet now. Mm -hmm. um, it's, it's really interesting that the, the first time that the prime minister who, who, it's not that he prided himself, but he put it out front that he wanted to have women involved in politics and in in society and in business, and he was pushing that. It was um, some people called it Abe, no, womenomics, mm -hmm. Abe's womenomics. And um, the first two, when he when he reshuffled his cabinet, he put two female ministers in, and they went for those. And I think that that was just because you know you you think you're going to the, the message was you know if you think you're going to capture the the women's vote, you know you got another thing coming another thing coming. But um, I thought that was just really uh, bad, bad pool, bad politics. Um, because like you said, the, uh, the, the violations that they potentially um, had pale in comparison to, in the grand scheme of things, what else is going on? You know, I think this is what keeps a lot of women in general out of politics. The blood spore, yes. the rough and tumble. And I don't think it was... Uh, any coincidence that the two women were targeted. And mm. that was to send a message really to keep. Go for the weak link. Yeah, of course, mm. because I don't think we have a long history in Japan and, and certainly even in the US, a lot of women are not interested in going into politics because one, they don't want 
their uh, private life to, uh, or perhaps uh, maybe marital status or their looks to come into the mix. Even Hillary Clinton has been mm -hmm. subjected to a lot. So when it comes to scandal, oftentimes in the United States, it's sort of your personal failings that we've seen with even Bill Clinton and a lot of politicians. And here, it seems to be these little minutiae. I thought it was very strange with the paper fans. I, I just found it mm -hmm. to be so bizarre. But I understood that it was intentional to target these women, to, to basically get them out of the way. And, and that will definitely impact other women mm -hmm. considering to go into the process because women are just generally not acculturated to, to really subject themselves to some of these brutal battles uh, that are often just words waged, but we don't grow up doing that yeah. <laughs> so much. So it's not that we can't do it, but we just haven't been practicing in that. And so we, we tend to avoid politics. And then that impacts the ability to have full equality though, yes. in society. Uh, with, with Abe, the, the problem I have is that the scandal to me is that it's still just this focus on the top level. It's so elite driven. And so a lot of the sort of overarching uh, issues of equality are, are left uh, on they, the cutting room floor. Yes, they, <laughs> they become victimized as well. Yeah. Well, the, the, the issue, perhaps in the case of, of the resignations of the women in the fall, what made it so salient was that basically the argument was they had to go in order to keep the diet on schedule. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then mm -hmm. Abe throws the entire diet schedule into the wind by by calling an election. Mm. So people who supported the, the women ministers who, who, who were against the, the resignations, they say, what was that about? Yeah. You know, what are, who are you kidding? You know, that's not right. Mm -hmm. And the thing is, now we have the same uh, kind of pressure going on. We have to keep going. Mr. Nishikawa, please step down because we have to get back on track in the in the budget, otherwise, in, in budget committee, otherwise we're not gonna get the budget done by April 1st, they're not gonna make it anyway. Nobody yes. believes that. Everyone believes there's gonna be a continuing resolution. Everyone believes that the budget will be passed sometime in April. But the problem with that is that April is when the unified local elections happen. Mm. And all mm. of the members of the Diet were expecting to get everything done by, by March the 31st and then go for two weeks, or actually the, the process is over the entire month of April, the first two weeks for the first set of elections and then another set are being held on the 26th, they were thinking that they were gonna be helping out their local official friends. Mm -hmm. That's not going to happen because everything is delayed and the opposition knows it and they love it. Yes. They say, come on, come on, we're going to, we're going to be the little tail that wags the dog. And you, are, well, you have majorities, you can do whatever you want, but as long as we have the ability to stand up in the budget committee, we're going to torture you. Mm -hmm. And we're going to torture the country in the, in the process. Mm -hmm. Well, that's what happens. I mean, the, the question, it, it seems like in, in the sessions when they're going through these questions, it is not the questionnaire who is being um, evaluated poorly, even if the questions are bad. Mm. It's always the person who is on the hot seat, who is answering, 
who is the one that is damaged. You're, you don't score points, you only lose points. Right. And the person who is asking the questions is almost scot-free. You're just asking questions, there's plausible deniability. Well, I heard this and I read this and a little bird told me this and can you please explain yourself? And they can get away with an awful lot. You can get away with incredible sarcasm. For example, mm -hmm. this week, the uh, in, in, in after Mr. Nishikawa resigned, Mr. Nishikawa delivered a classic line about the Prime Minister understands my explanations. But, and this is the line, those, who, I, no matter how many times you tell them, those who do not understand will not understand. Now, what he probably meant was, you know, those who receive paychecks and our paychecks are dependent on them not understanding, right. will not understand, mm -hmm. no matter how many times he stands up and says, this is what happened. They're, not, they're gonna pretend that they don't understand. Well, the socialist member of, of the diet who got a chance to talk in today's budget, in this week's budget committee, asked the prime minister, excuse me, Mr. Prime Minister, please tell us the thing that you understand that those who don't understand won't understand. <laughs> It was just for effect, but he just loved to say it. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder what role the press outside of um, these questioners has in this, in this mix, because related to scandal in Japan is the, uh, I guess you see in a lot of the uh, uh, news stories in the last few weeks, this sort of declining um, questioning by the press of government. And right. that is an angle here. So it sounds like there's a lot of this sort of almost Saturday Night Live uh, comedy taking place with mm. the question and answer of the prime minister. But what about the Japanese media? Are they sort of... Uh, You're talking about self-censorship. Yes, and yes. I, that has been raised by a, a number of uh, the international... Uh, reporters here who write for news wires mm -hmm. and then these stories go global and in addition there have been a couple of surveys that have shown uh, the overall sort of free press ranking of Japan to be in decline. Yes it used to be so high it used to be one of the highest in the world. Yeah it's it what we had this week was uh, the release of a uh, well it was a petition saying, let's not self-censor ourselves. Mm -hmm. And, and 1,200 Japanese journalists have signed this petition. I've also signed it. Yeah. Okay. So international, international people have signed it. it as well. <laughs> and it's, it's an idea that's coming about that we, we really do not, we the Japanese press, do not report to the extent that would serve the public best. That we indeed cut ourselves out and are afraid. In this case, what a lot of people are worried about is the discuss of discussion of security issues. Right. Uh, and the, it's very much in response to the reporting that was done uh, during the ISIL mm -hmm. crisis right. Right. involving the two Japanese hostages who were later murdered. Criticism of the prime minister in certain news organizations seemed to result in, being, in your being no longer invited on the TV program, no longer viewed, mm -hmm. or you had your contract uh, mm -hmm. no longer extended. It's mm -hmm. not, you're, you're out. Uh, that has happened for a lot of Japanese journalists and they're thinking, how did we get to this position? And well, and I wanted to add to that, 
I think my motivation came out of uh, the post 9-11 environment where there were also similar questions. It's interesting that uh, some are referring to this ISIL event in Japan as sort of Japan's 9-11, whether or not Japan's that's accurate. critical event. Yes, they... critical event, mm -hmm. meaning that when you have this uh, raising of these international security issues, that's the time you need to be ever more vigilant and questioning. That's not the time yes. to defer to the central power. And, and there's a tendency, we call it the rally round the flag mm -hmm. syndrome, which uh, again is this sort of looking to your leadership and sometimes you look to the leadership with blinders on and I rely on the press to be sort of my Watchdog. ersatz. Right. Yeah, my, um, my um, kind of accidental <laughs> uh, monitors of people in power. And they, uh, I want them to be not uh, dogged in a really dogmatic manner. I mean, you can write opinion pieces. I want them to uncover what's going on. And I, I don't see dark shadows everywhere, but just give me information that can empower me about what is really happening here, sort mm -hmm. of a true sense of the environment. So I see those parallels with what happened in the United States. We had actually publishers going to graduation exercises and being booed if they dared raise a critical question about where we were as a country after 9-11. There were people walking out on these, and, and you know, that's very shuddering to Is me. Is that because the national it. sentiment was so strong and so Yes, not cohesive? to question. Mm. It was all about unifying the country. And I see that happening here. The, the rhetoric is very much about uh, making Japan or, or saving the Japanness of Japan, mm -hmm. which is often very ill-defined. But I understand that to uh, have some sort of coded <laughs> uh, implications to I'm, that. I'm going to step in and say I think there's a lot of hooey. Okay. Personally, I think that the the, the news here in Japan is is wide ranging. It's it can be wild and woolly. No, they don't scream. No, they don't yell. But they ask tough questions, and they get away with asking tough questions. And if you ever watch, for example, the 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 prime minister's press conferences or the, the, the chief cabinet secretary's press conferences, the level of disrespect shown by reporters just slouching there in the, in the seats, it's something you would n n rarely see outside That's of this true. country. They, they, they have a very, very sarcastic and cynical view. It's not like you'll see on the evening news the, the, the images of how, how they're seated and how they're, they're talking. But you can sometimes sense it in the in the, the timber of their voices. So this this question of, of whether there's been self censorship, well, it's I kind of find it kind of funny that you would be able to sign a petition saying, "I don't get to express my opinion enough." Mm -hmm. But you're signing a petition. You're obviously expressing yourself. Nobody's taking anything out on you. They're, right, and actually, that <laughs> petition was not about saying that we don't have the ability. It's, it's saying let's not kind of cower from speaking up mm -hmm. now. So you, you have to really read the language closely. And I mean, we can disagree here, but I, I do talk to these academics who teach in media. And so they're, they're, they are 
employed at university, and they will tell me when I give talks and go to these study meetings that they are very worried about the direction. And they often will single out NHK because <laughs> it's got, it's so, so uh, huge. huge and it's well-funded. And so they tell me, so it's not just my observation alone, but mm -hmm. I, I, I agree, though, that you don't want to see dark shadows everywhere. I mean, you don't want to go to the extreme because that happened in the United States with this sort of uh, looking at 9-11 as orchestrated by the U.S. Mm -hmm. government. That, that became very extreme, and that became Hueyville. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, well, yeah. In the case of nine, the 9-11 illustration, it was first floated by a man named Kunihiko Miyake, who is a close political advisor in, in international uh, affairs mm. uh, of the prime ministers? He's the head of the Can He's head of research at Cannon Institute, mm. and Miyake-san put that out, and the New York Times picked it up. Mm -hmm. And when Miyake-san was talking about 9/11, he was thinking about this is the kind of event that will shock Japanese regarding their thoughts about how to keep Japan secure. Yeah. But very clearly, the the other side of 9-11 is the one that you're describing, mm -hmm. which is the self-censorship, the, the, uh, the rally around the flag, don't criticize the prime minister aspect, which is what the reporters and academics are talking about. So it's a two the two faces, and it's the, the latter, the unfortunate one, that, uh, the really unfortunate one that is taking the precedence here. Mm -hmm. I think that um, the level of, of belief and credibility of the American population to the mass media has declined mm. a lot. Mm -hmm. And you're seeing signs of that here in Japan. But I think the Japanese government is still going to go forward aggressively on this National Security Act. This has been in motion for a long time. If you take a look at the current prime minister's residence, it is huge, it is massive. It used to be a small three-story structure and that was the prime minister's, uh, it was like the White House, and across the street is the uh, Sodicante, the, the, um, the office for administration. And now it's, it's a huge office, um, and part of the office is devoted to the national security affairs and how, how they handle crisis management. Um, but I think the, uh, the, the food that the journalists feed on is, is access. And access can be easily denied or, or granted uh, given certain situations. And I, I think that that is a very effective tool to controlling what story is being fed, what kind of meme is being repeated over and over again. Um, and I think the, um, the National Security Act, should it go in um, into legislation, gives the central government an, an incredible amount of power to limit the amount of information that is disclosed, and if it is uh, inadvertently disclosed for some uh, journalist to write about it, they can get into an awful lot of trouble. And that is uh, very much uh, uh, cold water on a lot of stories that might be coming up. You know, I just wanted to interject. I don't know how often you all read the comments section of the um, online news stories, mm -hmm. but you know what's filtering now? It's almost trending is this crying out that people say we need an Edward Snowden or we need a Glenn Greenwald mm -hmm. in Japan, that you don't have this sort of active, either 
major leaker like Snowden, or you don't have someone like Greenwald who is trained as an attorney, but then went to write for The Guardian and got the biggest get of his life, which turned into an Academy Award winning documentary film, Citizen Four. Mm -hmm. So I, I, I didn't, this was relatively recent post ISIL that I started to notice people referencing, of course, these are a lot of internationals living in Japan, but I thought, well, I don't know if Japan needs an Edward Snowden, but that is telling, though, when mm -hmm. people are using that language. I, I, if I, I would like to say, though, that the press, yes, you can control them. Yes, you can cow them with the new legislation, which is still being passed. Uh, but it's also very hard to keep them from biting back. Mm -hmm. If you push the press hard enough, they will find a way to get you. And that's what one can say is happening to the Abe administration right now. They had a great run. They had a long time, scandal-free, historically long, scandal-free stretch. Yeah. And with these restrictions that were put on under the special uh, designated Secrets Act, you started to see maybe a far more uh, active press. Mm -hmm. And now, again, the scandals that are being reported are tiny. Mm -hmm. And it's really testing. The press has to be a participant in this. It has to sell to the public the fact that these scandals matter. And so far, they've been trying to do so. A more objective point of view would be, these are so tiny, you can't, you've got to be kidding. But no objectivity is being, mm. is, is there. And that may be simply because they're, they're biting the hand that's been feeding them. Mm -hmm. And that also says a lot about where we are now with our media environment, that it is very hard to distinguish between the news and opinion, mm -hmm. that that firewall of protection has really declined. And what I see in Japan is often a... Um, sort of coming from the government, shaping a story for domestic consumption, like uh, Abe's visit to Yasukuni in December 2013, how that played so differently to the uh, within Japan versus how it played regionally and internationally. And you can't make that mistake in crisis calm anymore, where you think that you can shape your message to domestic and then to the foreign. There's just no demarcation line now. So who's controlling that? Well, the control is, I mean, a lot of this is internet driven and really even how we are defining who's a journalist anymore. As I said with Greenwald, he didn't have any, he didn't really work his way up in a newsroom. He became a personality. And so that's what you're seeing now is personality driven journalism, mm -hmm. and that's where credibility comes in. You don't want to be too far out there where you just have your converted souls who are kind of cheering you on. But um, it, it, it makes it very difficult then to control rumors and control scandal to get everybody to be disciplined and on, on the same page is, is not like it was 20 years ago when I worked for the government. And what, what, well, okay, let's put it concretely. What should Mr. Abe be doing in order to put a break on this, this juggernaut 
of tiny scandals mm. that are coming at him that require participation of the press in order to get them going mm. and with an opposition that will bring up these tiny things. How, how should be, he be handling this scandal? Well, I mean, so far it seems like they're handling it well. Uh, it, because I don't see that his numbers are really going down. It, it still looks comparatively much more disciplined than it did the first time around. Mm -hmm. But you have that sort of death by a thousand cuts, too. Yes. If it became repeatedly a problem in the spring mm -hmm. that would impact the budget, and then it has this sort of reverberating effect, and then the public gets a little bit up in arms about it, then you've got uh, this kind of a snowballing effect where it just keeps growing and growing. But I think thus far, they've been able to manage it because the, just the way of the recent resignation, it sort of very quick. went very yeah. smoothly and it, it didn't really impact the prime minister, so. I, I think that the, the scandals are part of the matrix. They're going to, they're going to happen in any event, um, whether they're big or, or they're large. And there seems to be a biorhythm to them. They, they come and then they, it, things settle down. And um, I'd like to get back to uh, the, the earlier comment that you had about um, uh, the resignation of the two female members of the, the cabinet, Minister of Justice and Minister of uh, Trade and Industry. Mm -hmm. And then very soon after that, the prime minister closing down the house and saying, we're going to open it up for election. I believe that that was retribution for the poor handling of those kinds of questions and the, the forced resignation of those two people on his cabinet. Oh, there is mm. in, in Japanese, in political tradition, what's called misogi, mm. which means ablution, a rinsing away. And it's, it, it's maybe a kind of a concept that people say, really, this, 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 this is actually an idea. But it, it, there is a belief that a general election washes clean all sins. Mm -hmm. And that if a person comes in, is in, engulfed in scandal or is threatened by scandal, that if there's a general election and the voters say, it's okay, this person's okay with us, that the opposition or whoever has been pressing on the scandal issues will back off. Mm -hmm. That's, and the funny thing is, it's actually been a tradition in Japanese politics. And that has to do something with the relationship of the courts to the diet. The diet, constitutionally, is the supreme body in Japanese government. And the courts have naturally deferred to the diet. If someone get, wins election, there's a presumption, okay, whatever the, the violation, big or small, may have been, if this person can get the approbation of the people, He's Who been are we to say, you know, vindicated. Yeah, he's been vindicated. Not quite and, vindicated, and, but and, and, absolved. And, and absolved, or at least go forth and sin no more. And he who is without sin should not <laughs> step into Japanese politics. <laughs> well, you know, the technology that, that has growing so quickly, um, and this, this part, this comment that you had about, um, you know, who is a journalist and what is media and, and how is it proliferated? Um, you know, we're doing a podcast now on issues that, that we feel are important and that we would like to talk about and, and have other people comment on mm -hmm. is a great example of who is a journalist and how are issues raised up and who's, who, is it opinion or is it fact? And I think it's a, it's, it's a great part of the, 
the, the media world that we're in now. You know, I was, Walter Lippmann published probably the definitive text in journalism in 1922 called Public Opinion. And at that time, he said the role of the press was to present uh, the facts to the people who can't experience those facts directly. Mm -hmm. So it creates sort of a pseudo event. And uh, the press then, <laughs> you're looking at primarily pencil press. So it's without all of the technology tools that we have today. If you were to ask Lipman, who is a journalist, he would have a very narrow definition of a journalist. He would, he would view journalists within the context of sort of a, an elite, uh, highly educated, maybe Ivy League educated mm -hmm. core of people. And uh, because of this decline in credibility around uh, politicians who are often the subject of uh, journalism, you, you have this, this growth industry now of people coming into journalism who really haven't been trained to all the techniques that mm -hmm. uh, allow you to do good research. And so I, that's what we're seeing increasingly online with the internet. It's putting out fires of rumor mongering. It's, this is what a lot of government officials in public relations end up doing. Well, apparently there's a hunger for it because we feel compelled to want to talk about these issues. We right. feel that there is a, a wider audience mm. and that um, the issues that we talk about are ripe for input and for discussion and, and, and examination. And uh, they're learning tools for us to predict what's going to be happening and how to prepare ourselves, how to prepare our companies in, in decisions that are going to affect a lot of people or our consumers or market shares or, or a lot of different things. So I think it's, it's good work, but I think we're filling, we're filling a, a need that hasn't been quite addressed. And I, mm. there are probably lots of other people who are doing the same thing, identifying different aspects of culture or business who have come up with the same idea to use technology to get this word out. Well, it makes scandal both more prevalent and also uh, less prevalent. It's very hard for anyone, a government or a business leader here in Japan, to try to manufacture something mm -hmm. and, and manufacture anger. There are, are just too many players in, in the market we see, for example, when uh, something's brought up on, on, uh, on the floor of the diet, it used to be, if it didn't make the evening news, it disappeared. Mm. But now you can, you can not only go online, mm. you can get a Twitter feed from someone who's sitting inside mm -hmm. the room, one of the members of the diet, can be tweeting away, this is what's important. Look at this phrase. This mm -hmm. is what this person said. And it can be used positively mm -hmm. or negatively, mm -hmm. but in this, in this conflict of ideas that's now available, it's really hard for the government to shape mm -hmm. a message. And in the case of scandal, which is what we have here, uh, I don't see Abe having the control that people uh, are so fearful about. Mm -hmm. mm, okay. <laughs> Precedent means so much here as it does in a lot of other countries. Um, the the fact that the prime minister in Abe 1.0 had four resignations from his cabinet and he pretty much threw in the towel after that. He resigned after that, closed it down, and the LDP faded from power as a result of that. This time, he's got three resignations under his belt. The current one, just this last week, 
was number three. And there's a certain sense that maybe if we can get number four, it will topple the Abe government. I don't think that's true, but I think that that's probably a goal that the opposition might be aiming for. And the question is, really, if there, even, even if there is another resignation, isn't the, the cabinet and the administration and the prime minister uh, strongly entrenched now uh, that even if there was a resignation within the next two or three weeks, um, the cabinet could survive something like that? Oh. Well, Dr. Snow yeah. brought it up, that, <laughs> that his numbers haven't gone down. Right. The, the, the polling numbers are all above 50%. They found, the, 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 no matter whether the poll was by a news organization that supports the prime minister or one that's deeply opposed to him, the, the numbers are, sta are static and they're way up high. And quite frankly, unlike in the past, for example, when Mr. Abe was in his first term, there were people waiting in the wings to come mm. in, Mr. Mm. Fukuda, mm -hmm. Mr. Aso. Here, there's nobody there. Mm. It's Abe or nothing. At which point, the, the revolving door aspect is gone. There's nobody to replace Abe waiting, who's waiting with bated breath to take over. So to say things have remained the same, yeah, sure, scandal, constant scandal, constant movement, but in this case, there's also change, and that change is stability at the top. Yes. Well, I mean, stability in Japan is defined by uh, some sort of a unitary um, body that is deciding issues, and that these decisions are somewhat made behind closed doors. We don't need to have a lot of people inputting into this process that we have. This happens in companies as well that it is a closed, it is a vacuum, and we make decisions, and these decisions are. Um, made within the context of our, our world, our globe. And I think that that provides a sense of stability, but it also provides a kind of a, a um, environment where things can happen and they just get well, let yeah, go. It, it makes people resentful mm -hmm. because they're not part of that process. Right. And that's where, that, that's where these little piddling scandals brought in from the opposition with the connivance of the press come into play, yeah. sure. Yeah. That there are, they feel excluded from the process, and they have been, absolutely, no question. I mean, the, 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 when Mr. Abe wants to shut down some, a, a debate, he can. Mm -hmm. He just says, let's vote, yes. and the, the, the uh, legislation will pass because they've got the majority. He must be feeling quite strong, Prime Minister Abe, because he's going to speak to both houses of the U.S. Congress yes, he is. this spring. And he's coming after Netanyahu from Israel, which has become a political uh, hot potato in Washington because of the uh, Republicans backing Netanyahu and his uh, not really having the sit down with Obama. So maybe by the time Abe comes in, which will probably coincide with cherry blossoms yes, in bloom, <laughs> then he, that that suggests to me that he's feeling uh, good about where the administration is here, despite these scandals, well, and that says something too mm -hmm. about a political leader. That that confidence uh, is remarkable. And just my study of Abe versus his first term what, wasn't well, that less than a year. And I think yes, by it, the time he left, his uh, numbers, favorability numbers, were in the twenties. Yes. So <laughs> he's a new man from mm -hmm. what I can see. Well, 
he's got to survive this uh, this current session, mm-hmm. and it is it is tough. The opposition is out, um, but I think uh, in spite of the scandals, and I don't think they are are terribly huge. I think he's still in for a, a pretty good ride. Wouldn't yeah. you agree, Michael? Yeah, I agree, and I think that his party's going to do really well in the April elections. The most recent polls, which I think was conducted by the Asahi Shinbun Group of 3,000 voters, found an extraordinary, nearly 50% of the voters were supporting the LDP, his party, which is just an insanely high number. The, the DPJ was at a very high number as well, at around 12% in this poll, but near 50% is unprecedented in the last three, four decades. He's got to feel confident. He's got to feel that, okay, this is a lot of political noise. And yes, maybe one of my best friends is going to get swallowed up in it. But hey, that's the game that we're playing. You do wonder in the polling, are people, though, thinking it's LDP or nothing? Mm -hmm. Because you do wonder if they see any legitimate opposition. I'm not hearing that there's really, as you said, there's nobody standing on the side ready to get in. Well, well, I think Michael's comment was a little bit different. I kind of agree that the LDP is is pretty much here to stay. It has uh, been taught a lesson, and I don't think it wants to learn that lesson again. Mm. So I think it'll it'll continue to be strong. I think it'll continue to be um, uh, successful. I think Michael's comment was more about the leadership, and uh, we have a current prime minister, and there doesn't seem to be any contenders. And from my perspective, mm, I think there are some contenders. They're probably in in the background. They're they're biding their time. Others know about their aspirations, but it's impolite and it's unpolitic to be to kind of raise yourself up. Um, it's it's very rarely seen, and usually when when that does happen. You, uh, they have a, 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 an election for for prime minister, and that's when the people really raise up the the uh, the candidates for prime minister, and they're they're jostling for power, and sometimes um, relatively unknowns become prime minister. Oh, the, I, I think that in this case, though, that Abe has created a brand new standard in terms of slaying those who might come up against him within his party. Mm-hmm. Uh, in his first term in office, he gave to yes, he, did. You're uh, right. he gave positions to all of the people who ran against him, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and he gave them impossible jobs. He gave to uh, Ishihara Nobuteru, uh, who was presumed to be the front runner when Abe first ran for the presidency of the LDP. Uh, he gave him, as a consolation gift, the environment portfolio, which put him in directly in charge of the Fukushima nuclear power plant. It was a kiss of death. We mm-hmm. have not heard a word, or we've not seen Ishihara since. Yeah. Uh, and he did this to Hayashi, who has just come back as the new agricultural minister this week. Oh, yeah. uh, Hayashi was one who ran against mm-hmm. uh, Abe. And Abe said, great, here, take the ag minister portfolio, which is also a kiss of death. Mm, and he did this. He did this. He, and he did this to his the most recent challenger, Ishiba Shigeru. Yes. He said, "I'd like you in the cabinet. I'd like you to be in charge of the security legislation." And Ishiba, who is a big security wonk, said, "No, I don't want to do that. Because because that's a kiss of death, and I know you're doing this to me." So they, he gave him the rural revitalization post. We don't see anything of him anymore. That's true. Even though it's a hot topic. Rural revitalization is the one thing that Japan really has to do to get back on its feet. But Ishiba, 
He's not on the evening news. Mm -hmm. What's true. the cushy post? What's the cushy post? Gosh. The one where you know you, that the person's really in, in favor with, with Abe. That won't be the kiss of death. Ah, that's that's internal, that's in internal affairs and communications. Playgrounds. <laughs> <laughs> internal affairs and communications is, is the oh, one. That's, that's the people that he likes. Uh, well, there's also Northern Territories and oh, and that, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's but, a great but one. But they've they've Hoping complicated not. that one by putting space and technology together with that. So that actually has become a very packed mm. um, catch-all almost. Yeah. Um, the the minister of that one is. Uh, he's very busy juggling a lot of different issues. Right. So I don't know if there's a cushy one, but yeah, probably you want to keep your your friends close and your enemies closer. Mm -hmm. That's right. Mm -hmm. And and he he keeps he's brought his enemies into the cabinet, and and he's slain them okay. one after another. How about Nancy's other observation that it looks like the LDP is stronger and the opposition is going to hold its own? And what what, what are your views on? The, the position of the LDP moving forward and, and, and collecting more votes and, and establishing itself stronger so that the next time this election comes around, the LDP wins far, far more seats. It's hard to say because the DPJ has put in place what seems to be finally a stable and uh, fairly active leadership. And they were very, very careful this week to come out with an explanation of what went wrong in December. And the first thing they said was that we did badly. We we blew it. They owned it. Though. They owned yeah. their own, own, own mistakes. Mm -hmm. And when they didn't reach three figures in the number of seats that they took, they only got 78. Mm -hmm. They say that is a failure. Now, the fact that they could pin it all on the former leader of the party is great for the present leaders of the party, but they owned the fact that they had failed and that they're not going to go down that road again is, there, is the way they've, that's what they've said, and I'm pretty sure that they will. The other party, the other major opposition party, the Japan Innovation Party, the JIP, right. they had their first convention. It's, 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 an, it's a party that's been made out of, out of mergers. And it had its first convention, and it had a chance to make a big splash and say, here we are, we're brand new, we have all these new ideas, we have all this unity and all this wonderfulness about us. Uh, it didn't happen. And it's, and, and it's as if it, it, they didn't have the convention. There was no immediate payoff. Maybe there will be down the line, but currently we're back toward a one-and-a-half-party system, sort of, mm -hmm. with one big, huge party and the DPJ, and then the nothings. Mm -hmm. I don't think you should call yourself Innovation Party if there's not <laughs> going to be a whole lot that's going to come out of it. It's innovation to nowhere. Well, they know. couldn't have called themselves the Charisma Party either. <laughs> <laughs> well, in the case, they have Eda, Eda Kenji as their leader. And Eda has probably been, at least in, in terms of the English language, he, he, he prides himself in his ability in English. He's, he's a, an international, was an international 